This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. On August 25th, I'm the most brutal, vicious, ruthless champion that's ever been. The most anticipated original series is here. You may know Tyson. You're the heavyweight champion of the world, young, rich, and black. But do you know Mike? The minute you get too big, they gotta cut you down. Starring Trevante Rhodes. Um, I am Mike. And Harvey Keitel. They'll love you as much as they fear you. Now I'm really going to have some fun. Mike, series premiere August 25th, only on Hulu. Your plans? Today it's dinner with the parents at your spot. We gotta come back here. Now, their spot. Or you're on the edge of your seat at the game. Come on, just one time! And it's the one. Or maybe you're catching the next flight to... Now boarding flight 1850. Oh, that's you. The choice is yours. And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Good afternoon, welcome back. This is a very, very special edition of Who Are You? Uh, this guest has is a uh, a well known uh, musician, um, probably affected all of you who are listening to this at some point of your life, um, with a few big hits uh, and a, a career spanning um, well over forty years. Um, it gives me great pleasure to uh, welcome our new guest who I'm allowed to tell you exactly who he is. Good afternoon and welcome on to Who Are You? Well, thank you very much. I'm Steve Harley. It's really nice to be with you. Fellow Millwall men. That's it. We we um we saw the article, what was in the Times, obviously advertising you, your um your new um recently released album or, or beginning of the beginning of last year your album and obviously COVID hit. Um 
which is it's a it's eleven songs of and if I'm right with what I've read and whatnot, is that it's eleven songs what mean a lot to you, stuff what you used to sing privately, um, and songs what have a meaning to you. So, um, how did it go about getting that that album together, and and was it was it good fun putting it finally onto onto vinyl? I mean, I'm going to say vinyl, but obviously, it is vinyl. Onto, vinyl. so yeah. So it, is it good? It was it good putting it finally down and, and letting everybody else hear it? Yeah, it's magic. You know, recording studios are where you try to create magic. Sometimes it happens. And, uh, it's an all acoustic band. There's not an electric note on this album. Not a keyboard note. They're all strings uh, and gospel singers. Yeah, it's just. Uh, it's a wonderful album to hear because there's no EQ on it. The engineer, the engineer Matt Butler, my favourite engineer, just does this magnificent job. It's worth hearing if you're an audio file. Yeah, um, and choosing the nine of the songs are not mine. Two of them are mine. Yeah, and nine are not. And choosing them wasn't as difficult. People could ask me how. You must be thousands of songs you were going to choose, but I wasn't. These are songs that are particularly brilliant songs. Anyway, all nine of them got something special about them and i've been playing them on the guitar mostly sometimes piano in my house where i play a lot uh for many many years so i went in off book i knew all the lyrics <laughs> I, knew, I knew how i was going to produce it and once i got martin simpson he's a legendary acoustic guitarist and once i got martin on board a bit of a hero of mine an idol of uh, and then a couple of jazzers on the rhythm section, double bass and drums. It was a, a really good. We, we went down to Rockfield, the residential studio in South Wales. Went down there for a couple of weeks, which was rather nice. I've never sort of shared breakfast with musicians in my life. It's odd. <laughs> Taking turns to fry up. <laughs> so, yes, taking turns, cooking the sausages and stuff. So, yeah. so on your album, you had, you, you've got two songs what yours, only you and, and compared with you, or, or your eyes don't seem to age of both of yours, but you've, you've done covers of Bowie, Cat Stevens, Errol Brown, um, McCartney or Lennon McCartney and Jagger Richards, um, and Bob Dylan as well. Obviously, you finish, um, when I paint my masterpiece, which is obviously a Bob Dylan song. Yeah. Not half. <laughs> I actually, I actually change it to when I write my masterpiece at the end. <laughs> it's like a desperate plea for the, the muse there's, to come and sit on my shoulder again. You know, there's a, you there's a. Um, thinking that I, that it was actually Bob Dylan that got you first into music. Oh yeah, yeah. 1963. I was listening to the Beatles and Dylan as they emerged. Uh, I was in hospital a lot um, down in Carshorton Beaches. Um, Crystal Palace land, that is, of course. Uh, yeah, and uh, we had a dance set, you know, mono dance set. Are you old enough to know what they are? No. It's a dance It's a, it's a mono record player, lifted up, yeah. Wow, yeah. My mum and dad knew I was reading a lot. Lyrics meant a lot to me, poetry I was reading. I was, and in 63, I was 12, and, uh, you know, you hear blowing in the wind, or the times they are a-changing. I was thinking, God, I'm used to Buddy Holly and Elvis, and suddenly there's this guy with this rather interesting intonation and inflection in his voice singing this, well, I thought, poetry. So, yeah, it, it was a big inspiration. 
I was only 12, but my ambition was to be a journalist, which of course I did. When I left school, I became a reporter for four years, a train reporter. But it was always in my, always in, it was always going to happen. Thank you. To, thanks to Dylan. Did you, when you, obviously, um, when you were a young, a young boy, you, you obviously contracted polio, um, which has obviously affected you for the rest of your life. But there was one piece what um, I heard um, when you were on the one show and you'd done that piece going back through your house, because obviously you lived at um, New Cross right next to the bus station um, yeah, yeah. for, for what, well, eight years, I think it was there. And while you were in hospital, the, the um, Rolling Stones came and visited. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 1963 again. Uh, I was in there from January to December. In those days when you went in as a kid um, for an invasive surgery or serious illness of any sort, they kept you for months and months. I mean, the turnaround now is crazy. It was months of, of, of lying in bed. And... Yeah, on one Christmas, middle of December, and I... I remember looking through the window and seeing this battered old blue Bedford 1300 weight van. And uh, they climbed out and came into our ward, which were all 12, 12 under 16s in the ward. Yeah, yeah. They came through the ward and went to the far end of it. It was a, a big fireplace. And above that was a huge poster of the Beatles. You never see a poster of the Beatles on the, on the, on the beach at the river at the water's edge, um, wearing Edwardian bathing costumes and straw boaters. And they just walked up, and three of them, Jagger, Richards, and uh, one of Jones, they went up and just picked on that for ages, whereas Charlie Watts and Bill Wyman came and stood around our beds. Watts talked to me quite a lot, Charlie Watts, and I've met him and told him about that. He didn't know. <laughs> but it had a surprise. Yeah, it's a long time. I mean, it's Charlie Watts, you know, he's... He's the man that the journalist came up to at Heathrow Airport on the 25th anniversary of the Stones' existence and said, hey, Charlie, it must feel great, you know, 25 years. And he said, yeah, five years playing and 20 years hanging about. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of that, a lot of that on the road. <laughs> so... We're getting to some of these real questions. Is um, how did you become? Obviously, I knew you grew up in, in New Cross and lived in New Cross, but how did you become a Millwall supporter? Well, it's in the family, you know. My uncle Cyril and Uncle Leslie, my dad's two of my dad's older brothers. My dad's the youngest of eight, six of them, five of them boys, and he's the baby of the family. Um, but they all played football. There was a team, a semi-pro broccoli. And Cyril and Ron, my dad, were both in the Broccoli first 11 constant for several years. Your older listeners and readers might, might, might recall this. Ron Nice, they mustn't confuse it with Harley. That's my professional Yeah, The family is nice. The nicest. And uh, it was in the blood. I mean, Nettleton Road, across the road from, you, from the Fairlawn Mansions, where I lived by the bus station, um, it was a seven or eight minute walk down to Coldplow Lane. Uh, and my dad was born on, on the railway embankments down the bottom of Tanner's Hill called Chipley Street, which isn't there now. Uh, it's part of the Peeps estate, I think. But he was born in, in this two-up, two-down there. And so 
I can't bear it. In, the, in my industry, I, uh, there aren't many football fans at all in the music business. But um, you keep coming across people who are Man U supporters and they come from Oxford. You say, how weird is that? <laughs> what are you talking about? You just got to support Oxford United. You're not Manchester United. Uh, there you are. Uh, no, no, you support where you come from, I think. you know. In fact, one of my best friends I grew up with from Troutbeck Road, off New Cross Road, Ronnie Jay, Ronnie and Martin Jay, who lived there, my friends, they were Charlton supporters, and I've never understood that. They'd go to, up to the valley every other Saturday. Yeah, but no, it was in the family. What do you do? I was When I was five or six, he had me on the wall. My mum used to say that my dad had me down there in, in his arms and on the wall, sitting on the wall at the old den when I was four. Crikey. Yeah, yeah, and I was there at the age of six in 57. When the the, 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 the legendary, the fan, really great uh, Newcastle United came to the den for a cup match. And I was there yeah. then, I was six. That's the first match I actually remember knowing I was at. My dad built this little wooden stall. He got white wood on two sides. And so I had about 10 inches of stall, and we, my brothers and I would stand on them. On the terraces, we sat. There were no seats there were. That's what I was going to ask next, is what was your first... What was your first Millwall game or your memory or impression? What was your impression of the first game as a six-year-old in a massive game against Newcastle in the Cup? That was a, a big crowd as well. 40-odd thousand. Yeah, I was there for the 40,000. They got the 40,000 again in 66, was it? When uh, Spurs came to the Den, the FA Cup third round. We were in Division Three, And... Uh, they drew nil-nil, and then on Wednesday we went to White Hart Lane. Imagine that, I was 15 or 14 or 15, um, with all the nices, all the uncles of my dad. Got somehow, I don't even know, we got to Tottenham from New Cross. I have no idea, so probably three different buses. And there we were at White Hart Lane. It's like, gosh, you know. I've been to every single one of the London grounds, as they were in the 60s, yeah, yeah. 70s. I've been to every one of them. Did you go? Great memories. Did you go to any of the further ones, or did you just really stay within the London away and home? Yeah, I don't think I went. I was at Elland Road last year. My keyboard player is James Lascelles, and his dad, his eldest brother, is Lord Harwood. Uh, we're talking Leeds big time here. We yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we turned up there last uh, the championship. Two two seasons ago, but no, I've, okay. I've been to Ibrox. My wife's from Glasgow, and I went with her dad and brother to Ibrox once. I've been to Wembley dozens of times. Took my boy. My boy is now thirty-seven, um, but when he was about sixteen, we went to Wembley to see Gary Lineker's last appearance against France. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan. Love the, I love the atmosphere. I just love crowds and cheering and shouting and enthusiasm. I reckon after this goes out, you'll never need to worry about a ticket at Millwall next time you're around. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just give you the CEO's email and then I reckon you'll oh, get free tickets. Bless you. Tickets you. Again, I would so. love that so much. I, I, I've got to say, as I get older, I do like my creature comforts. I wouldn't be much good standing on the terrace if I've got any. Yeah, we, we make sure that you go in the director. We, I, I reckon Steve will get you in the director's box. So it's uh, nice and warm up there and you get a blanket and free food. So, uh, yeah. I think, considering, 
considering your status, I, I think that's um that's only due. So yeah. So obviously you went to the terrace. So I mean, we're going to go through these questions slightly different for regular listeners how we normally do them because obviously who the guest is and obviously um we're just doing it slightly different because we can. Um, I've got an idea, idea. Uh, Mickey. I've got an idea. Neil is trying to say something. God, yeah, no, yeah, that Newcastle game. No, yeah, yeah, well, nineteen fifty-seven FA Cup fourth round, wasn't it? Big, big shock that game. Yeah, Fantastic. yeah. Yeah, well, I'm just having a look now. Stan Ainslow scored both the goals. Is that right? It's a name I don't recall. The, the, their record crowd at the den, the old den, was actually forty-eight thousand, wasn't it? And I don't know who it was against, but that was maybe in the nineteen thirties. They had forty-eight thousand in there. Yeah, there were 45,646 in at this game. Millwall the Newcastle side. game. Yep. Yeah, the Millwall side. Bill Lloyd, Alex Jardine, John Smith, George yeah, yeah. Veach. I remember Ray. much clearer the later generation, you know, in the 60s, uh, uh, later. They're the people I remember best. I took a real interest. Alex Stepney, come on. See, one of your questions is who was your favourite player? Uh, yeah, yeah. Who 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 was your favourite player? Because um, we done to be fair with Stephanie, we done his um, his replacement who took over from him, uh, Brian King. We done a Brian show King. with yeah, we done a show with Brian King not long ago. Yeah, yeah, I remember him well. But Stephanie changed it all, you know. Um, Rich Davis was the goalie for ages before Stephanie, and he played some good games. He was a very very reliable keeper. But Alex was another planet. He, he, he just changed everything. It was like we had the Beatles and George Best and Dennis Law. We had, Things were going on that were sensational at that time. But Stephanie was, as, as a goalie, um, I hate to be over-romantic and over-stress it, but it's memory. You know, but he leapt cat-like. He, he leapt as if off a trampoline. And we'd never really seen that. Even Von Springer was the England goalkeeper. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, a top man, but Stepney was destined. We we we, we kind of knew on the terraces that he, we wouldn't be able to hold on to him. It was a, it was a class of cut above the usual Division Three and Division Two players. Of course, he went to Chelsea for five minutes, and then Man U. That was actually a golden period in Millwall's history. That was around then, because it because it was the start of what the fifty nine match unbeaten home run, wasn't it? And all oh, I, was I was there for every single one of those sixty games, every single one. And I was there on the last one when Plymouth Argyle beat us one nil. Correct me if I'm wrong. And they stormed. I think that might have been the first pitch invasion in history. They went eight. They ran on. It was a, we should have won it. They went on and buffed up the, the referee a bit. So, so obviously, Statue of Limitations is well done. But did you pitch invasion too? <laughs> did you jump on the pitch as well after that game or not? Me, no, I, no. I was always on the crutches, and uh, even when I threw them away, I was still. I've never been, been able to run in my life. I've never been on the bicycle. No, Christ. but I was up there. My mum, dad, and all the family were. We'd go in uh, on the side of the ground and stand about halfway between the halfway line and the goal line, halfway back, leaning on a 
rod, you know, leaning on a, one of those iron posts and rods. And about, 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 by, by 15 and 16, I was going round the back of the goal, got the cold blow lane energy, the hardcore. Is that just because you 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 thought that I'm 15 now? I don't need to stand with the family. I just want to. I want to be able to get up to up to no good to a degree without. Yeah, but more interestingly than that, you know, I've got to say, around those of the older generation, my dad's generation in the 60s, that were in their 30s and 40s, they were very funny, very funny people. Quite. Some of it is not very PC today, but the whip from the, the, the flat caps, you know, a lot of them had been or were dockers, obviously. The dad and his mates were milkmen and stuff, you know, real, real working class, New Cross people and South London people. Very funny. Uh, I remember hearing that I was very, I'm like nine, 10, up to 14 and 15, and hearing these guys' remarks, very mocking. They mocked the opposition something awful. They mocked their own something awful too. I mean, Harry Cripps came in for some criticisms. Wilson, the centre half, got a bit stick. Yeah, I, 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 but it was witty and funny, and it stays with you. I think it's still. I, I still think it's. Um, it's still the same now. Millwall are are probably one of the quickest bunch of supporters for chance to be. On the on the money on the spot quick as quick as that. Um, I'm I still so pleased think, to hear that. I think a lot of people don't get Millwall fans during yeah. the time. Then when you were going, who was uh, who was your worst player? Oh, that's so cruel. Uh, John Azel would ask me that for the Sunday Times, and uh, you can't do that. It's all. I mean, people have got families. <laughs> Yeah, but they're probably all dead from when you were back then, anyway. Um, <laughs> so you can probably name them. <laughs> you no, you no, name no. them, I'll tell you if you're. Yeah, well, I'll tell you if they're still alive. We played dead or alive with Neil. <laughs> remember, no, 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 I can't do that. I remember uh, Joey Broadfoot stopped a, stopped a certain goal by diving, catching it. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't so, know. I remember the good guys. If we can't do worse, do your best player. Who was your Who was your Millwall idol? Well, that would be Alex Stepney. Uh, after that, uh, centre forward um, Julian. What's his first name? Yeah, Len Julians. Len, 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 Len Julian. We loved him. He was really popular. Um, Harry Cripps was a legend. You know, fullback, right back. Yeah. Legend played hundreds for Millwall, didn't he? Yeah, oh, um, yeah, he played absolute loads. Yeah, I need reminding. See, I've got this um, collection that I bought for my dad. Yeah, care, care home of Millwall Football Club '61. Here, you see, Gilchrist. Yeah, Gilchrist, yeah. great defender. You were Johnny um, Gilchrist, yeah. Great, the two Bradys. Yeah, Brian. Forward line, Broadfoot, Townend, Townsend. Burridge, Terry, and Jones. Yeah. We, we, we know all these guys quite well. I remember them all pretty well. And there's it was, it was a different era back then, wasn't it? The players sort of were more um, more friendlier with the fan base. You, you could you could possibly bump into them in the pub. Oh yeah, I mean Tom Finney went to 
play an FA Cup final on the bus, didn't he? I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've, we've spoken to a few of the ex-players recently with another show we do where we speak to some of the old guys. And and they said, you know, it was just even Alex Ray, even as 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 modern as, you know, the late 80s and stuff with Alex Ray, he said, you know, you used to go down the old Kent Road and drink in the Gym Palace and, and whatnot. And he said, you'll be drinking with fans. He said, and if you had a win, you didn't yeah. have to buy a drink. He no, said, no, no. if you've got a loss, he said, and you've done something wrong, then you probably want to avoid it. He said, but no, you, you used to be able to to get free beer once you had a win. Something nice happened to me some years ago. I was, where was I? I was out with Mrs. Harley somewhere. Not often on the street, but I was on a street somewhere with her. We were looking at a shop window, uh, and Tony Cascarino came up to me. Yeah, legend. You know, and he just introduced himself. He said he was a fan. And... I said, you're a fan of mine. Wow, man, you're Tony Cascarino. <laughs> <laughs> he knew about my Millwall background and him and sharing. There's been good times later than my age. You know. yeah. Do you find yeah, it though. quite surreal that somebody like Tony Cascarino, who you've admired as a Millwall fan, comes up to you Do and introduces himself? Do I find what, Neil? Yeah, do you find it quite surreal that somebody oh, like well, Tony yeah, Castorino? I, I, yeah, it was like meeting, I met Bob Dylan. It was like when I stood up and put my hand out and said, Bob, Steve Harley, and he nodded and said, <laughs> and took my hand and sat down to talk to me. It was like, I'm trying to say to Cascarino, what about that goal, that goal, that match, and that game with, you know, I wanted to, and uh, all these it's like when people meet me, I'm no one, I'm no one, I'm no, you know, hey, I'm not, I'm not some superstar, but when a fan is a fan, they really are, can be very, very hardcore, and they meet me on the street, a guy came up to me and Dorothy, he was on a bicycle in all the Lycra kit in Colchester, which is half an hour from where we live, about 10 years ago, we were going into a hotel there for lunch, and he screeched to a hall halt on this bike, swung round, <laughs> jumped off, and just confronted us like he was going to beat me up. I said, whoa, 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 what is it? What is it? What, what is it? What can I do for you? And he said, oh, and he said my name. Um, yeah. And I'm quite good at this. I sort of said to him, what do you want? <laughs> and it puts him on the back foot, but tries, I try to relax people. And he said, oh, don't know. I've waited 40 years for this. <laughs> On everything he wanted to say. And I was like it with Dylan. I was like, I wanted to talk and I dried. My lips were dry and he didn't talk. He doesn't talk. He's got the social skills of a dormouse. He just, he just nods. Weird. So, yeah, I, I get it. I was, I'm in awe of great sportsmen, um, for sure. More, more perhaps than musicians, to be honest, because they're my peers and I do it myself. But it's great sports, man. It's a special gift. Obviously, um, your your massive hit came out, um, in fact, the year I was born, February um, of 1975, it, it got into the charts uh, with Make Me Smile. I mean, how did your... Supporting Bill will change after that. I mean, obviously you were a big, you were a big face, you were a big name. You, you possibly would have got mobbed wherever you went from then, especially in the seventies. Yeah, but um, 
I didn't go to the den then. But I was on tour. I am to this to this day without COVID, obviously. 57 concerts cancelled this year. Um, I'm on the road all the time, Mickey. I, it's it's just such, it's in my blood, like Millwall were when I was a kid. It's Mind you, I, wherever I am in the world at any time, I know when they're playing on a Tuesday night or a Saturday afternoon. I know. I follow it and I still get very miffed. Well, at the moment, you're the draw kings. Yeah. One point, one point, one point, one point. It's going to get nowhere. Well, <laughs> one point. And then they, I don't like the way they keep giving giving them a, giving a, a winner away in the 99th minute or something. Yeah, yeah, we, 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 we've been through many of them, but then again, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a Millwall, it wouldn't be Millwall supporting Millwall, would it? If if we didn't have those ups and downs, if we didn't know that you know, even if we're three nil up with twenty five minutes to go, we're still going to expect to lose that four um, three. I think that's just the, the part and parcel of supporting Millwall. I mean, you know, yeah, it, it's stop, it, stop, it, stop it. When the crowds come back, we I, we could do with one season at least in the Premiership for the millions of income and. Buy some great players, go down again, and have a great championship existence. We're definitely scared of life out of the Premiership and the FA. We 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 just want one season in there to play all the top dogs and just show them a little old Millwall's back. Um, <laughs> would be so. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't say who's the worst player is. So um, during your time there, there was a few managers. So who was your favourite manager around? Obviously, your time of of supporting. Oh. Well, I'm not big on managers, but the, the, the manager through the 60s was there for a very long time, wasn't he? Who was, was that? Not Fenton, it was... Yeah, yeah Fenton. Yeah, Benny Fenton. Yeah, Benny Fenton. A long time. There was one before him. It was there in much young, young manhood. Um, yeah, but... Yeah, well, that would have been Billy Gray. Billy Gray. You got it, totally. Yeah, yeah. They're the names um, that, that stick with me. Well, didn't stick with me, but ring big, big bells, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, reading the programme from cover to cover every match was part of the ritual, of course. I think in, uh, I think in that period, I was such a supporter, I'd have done mastermind on the subject. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You missed the time. It, yeah, but it kind of, yeah, but everything kind of, goes over the mists of time, doesn't it? And yeah. Well also I've been, you know, since like Mickey was commenting on I I have had a life since nineteen seventy three of travel uh, all around the world from the States to Australia, but mostly Britain and Europe these days. And we're away all the time, you know. I, 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 mean, I follow them from afar. No, no, and and you know what it's I fully understand that that you follow from afar, but the fact that you still follow, the fact that you still know when when we're playing um, and the scores and everything else, just shows really that it, it got to you at, um, in your younger years that you caught the Millwall bug. So I mean, oh, I mean, just one thing before we go on to another question: nineteen seventy three, and on the same document, I've watched a, a couple of documentaries over you just to find little tidbits to to come back at you with. Is that you were playing, you were busking in? Um, in the subway Elephant and Castle. Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Okay, so this bike says she is struggling with her place in the motorcycle community. Well, she says she hasn't peaked yet, but she's having a little epiphany, okay. 
Oh, that maybe life itself is the peak. Hmm, interesting. In my experience, I found that. That's why I just translate. Not allowed to have opinions. Got it. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. With bills to pay and debt piling up, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. Personal loans through NetCredit can provide funding up to $10,000 to help you get back on track financially if eligible. Our secure application process allows you to customize the terms that work for you and your budget. So check your eligibility today without affecting your credit score and help get your finances back on track. NetCredit, a more personal, personal loan. All NetCredit loans and lines of credit are offered by a member of the NetCredit family of companies or one of our lending partners. Visit netcredit.com slash partners for more information. Yeah, and then up west when I lived there. Yeah, I was busking after I gave up journalism to be a pop star. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was writing the first two albums. The first two Copy Rebel albums were written before we got the record contract. I'd written all, all but for 20 some. And I was busking them, playing in little folk clubs in Fulham and the West End, just to learn how to play to an audience, basically, before I'd formed the group. Yeah, which was a, a highly successful group. What most of the fans will will know, um, and and obviously have some affiliation too. So we're going to another question: Is what is your most memorable match involving Millwall? It's the Spurs game, the Spurs third round FA Cup sixty six, wasn't it? Can you Neil Neil date confirm in a second for you? Yeah, we we drew nil nil at the Den on a Saturday afternoon. And, you know, the Wednesday, as I said, we went to White Hart Lane. I told you that. And uh, it was nil-nil into the second half, as I recall. And Tommy Wilson, centre-half, for some mad moment of madness, he slipped this back pass back to Stepney. Was Stepney in goal then? You know, yeah, no, Laurie Leslie was in goal. Okay. Yeah, so he, Wilson passed it back, and in came Alan Gilzine, huge Scottish international goal scorer, world class player. And Gilzine picked this ball up, and just he ran it round the goalie, and they beat us one nil. We went home with very, very long faces. I, I, I do today get really fed up when they don't. It still, it still bothers me. You know, I can't pretend I just shrug it off. It takes it takes a while. Same as us. Don't panic. Just listen to our show. achievement about those two games was we actually managed to actually keep Jimmy Greaves quiet for two games, which was quite probably yeah probably England's greatest ever strike. I mean, yeah, and yeah, Terry Venables played for them. Cliff Jones, fantastic. Cliff Jones, you got it. Yeah, Andy might know that his. His uh, brother was the, the uh, was um, the Daily Mirror's football writer for forever. Jones and Leslie Ann Jones's father. Anyway, there you are. Yeah, Cliff Jones, Venables. That they were that was an internationally successful football team. The Spurs, for heaven's sakes, you know. They were massive at the time, weren't they? Yeah. Well, that so, was one of the years that wasn't that they got the double that year, didn't they? Uh, no, that was yeah. No, well, we played them in February '67. They won the double what? 62. 66. 62 and 66. Yeah. 
So, obviously, your most memorable match was Spurs. Um, I'd probably say that's probably your, your, one of your favourite. Is that one of your favourite Millwall moments, or is there a, another one for that? Uh, yeah, it, it's got to be, hasn't it? They don't come along very often, do they? Moments like that when you're in the third division, south, third, division three as it was by then. So, so question. the next question would be, what's your funniest ever Millwall moment? Yeah, <laughs> I can't. I tell you what, it, 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 there is one, but it's so non-PC today. That I'm not, <laughs> yeah, we leave I'm, that one. We don't mind. You can say it if you want, and I'll just cut it out. It's a release. It's not real life. It's you know, men work Monday to Friday, and then the Saturday was the relief. You, you know, the Saturday was the stress relief. The hour and a half, two hours. Watch the game, said what you want, and walked out, and that was it. But now it's it is still it, it's it's incredibly big football. You know, you see, you go through the Premiership, 70,000 Old Trafford. Uh, you know, it's such numbers, um, much much bigger than my business. You know, I I, I play uh, the O2. Indigo 2, 1,400, 1,500, sold out at Royal Albert Hall, 3,500. But football, huge. Oh, it's massive. It is massive. It's massive. So, I mean, we've done, obviously you've done there. What's your most liked, most disliked opponent then? This is is where we see whereabouts you grew up and and what side you did. So, yeah, your most disliked Millwall opponent. It was always going to be Charlton because it was the local derby, three miles apart, and uh, they were much bigger then. The valley held about 55,000, as I recall, and uh, I went there quite a lot of times. And they were in Division 1 at times, certainly Division 2. I went there when they were in Division 2 to play Liverpool, Soy and St. John, and that great Liverpool side, Bill Shankly's Liverpool, at the valley, watching play at Charlton. Um, yeah, there was a rivalry there. Is it, does that still... Because they're useless at the moment. They're in dire straits. But is there still a, a, a an animosity between them, a rivalry? Yeah, well, they oh. like to think so, but not... Yeah, but no, yeah, but no, not really. Yeah, well, they're a club that have actually lived in Millwall's shadow for the whole of their... Own, yeah, yeah, for the whole of their history. So they're quite bitter about it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're the club that they. Yeah, well, we're the club that they aspire to be. Really? And they haven't beat. And they haven't beaten us in twenty five years. Well, twenty five years this year. If we if we play them again this year and we we win, then uh, yeah, they, they haven't beaten us in in twenty five years or, or twenty four years up to now. Um, so there is a hell of a lot of fan base who've who've never seen them, uh, never seen us lose to them. And our co host, we do the show with um, Omar. He's 25 this weekend, and uh, and he's never seen us lose to Cholton, so um, so it's nice for him. So so yeah, um, we we've done there. Um, where are we? Most memorable we've done there. We've done there. Um, what was your favourite shirt? Oh, my favourite. Yeah, I saw a few changes. Did I see them wearing green the other day at Bournemouth? Yeah, yes, yeah. It's blue and white. <laughs> green coming to it. I, I remember the blue and white quarters. Yeah. The, 
blue and white. It was Bristol Rovers were green and white corners, weren't they? Uh, I remember them well. And then in the 60s, they wore the white one with the blue band. That's right. Yeah, that was a good strip. No, I would always go back to the quarters of my childhood. Blue and white quarters. That that was yeah, we also wore stripes in the very early 60s, didn't we? Blue and white stripes. Yeah. I didn't mind that one bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there were, in, in, in the early 60s, actually, there were the plain blue shirt, wasn't it? White colour. But green. Oh, dear. we got a red yeah, one as well. Prefer, yeah, we, we prefer those old kits, do you, Steve? Of course. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm a traditionalist by, by personality. I can't help myself. I'm not really good at updating, you know, uh, such matters, you know. I hanker after the past quite a lot. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> so, no, that's it. So, we we come on to the last question from us and then we talk about your new album a bit more. Um, what's your best piece of Millwall memorabilia you own? I've got the programme from that Spurs home leg from 67. I've got that. And then I've got, I showed you earlier, my collection of Photographs. The yeah. There's Alex. There's Stepney playing again versus Weldston in the FA Cup season 65-66. Alex. Yeah. There's the uh, Millwall FC Division Three runners up 1966. Ben Julian, Billy Neal. That is Eamon Dunphy. Dunphy, we loved we loved Dunphy. Went on to yeah. be a very successful football writer, Sunday Times. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's gone on to do there's quite a few what have gone on from ex Millwall what have gone on to do journalism quite well. I mean Sadler done is not bad either, is he? And there, there's a few what have gone Tony on to Cascarino. do Cascarino yeah. the column. Yeah. Um Crikey, yeah. Yeah, I mean, all, it's, a, it's a good collection. 70-71. Footballs were very accessible back then, Steve. Did you get to... Did you find yourself bumping into Millwall players in the street and things like that and no. in the shops? No. Did many come to your concerts? <laughs> no idea. Cascarino, I told you, he says he's a fan. But uh, I wouldn't know otherwise. So, obviously, from um, going into the 70s, 75 is is obviously uh, the mid-70s when you start really hitting the big time and you start touring everything else. So, how was it to, to suddenly be thrown into this? You've wanted to be a pop star or you wanted to be a musician all your life and all of a sudden it was there. You're on top of the pops. You have... Um, which is quite well. You you have a song in the charts for a few weeks, and then you were you were knocked out of the charts by um, Telly. You were you were knocked out by not really a song by just him standing there smoking a cigarette. <laughs> horrible, horrible. Yeah. What was it? Someone said to me, "What's the worst thing it's, someone has ever said, anyone has ever said to you?" And I and I, and I, I responded with. You've just been knocked off the number one spot by Telly Savalas. Speaking it, oh, uh, you know, there should have been a separate chart for the 
gimmicky records, you know. But there was a lot of them back then, though, wasn't there? There was there was yeah. a few where they thought where because I mean, back then for you to get to number one in the seventies, you must have struck the right chord with um, with your music producers with the mu- with the, with the record company because it's not like now where it's you need to throw some money, but it's quite easy to manipulate the charts as such nowadays with all the social media and everything else. But back then you had to sell records to get yourself into the charts. Yeah. We, we would, if you were going towards number one, seventies, you would sell 30 to 50,000, 45, you know, records every day. And that's more than a number one would sell in its lifetime today. And, and downloads are just an insult to the to the performers. You know, it's an insult to people. You know, Spotify is iniquitous. Unfortunately, sure. we do go out on Spotify, so we, we, we have to like them to a degree. <laughs> and Apple and, and YouTube and everything else. But no, I, I agree with you. I'm a vinyl man. I used to DJ um, before my girl. Uh, my girl's now 13, but before she was born, I used to DJ out. Um, it, it, you know, with with old tunes, we used to remix up a lot of the old um, tunes and put them onto modern beats. And uh, and vinyl to me is uh, is always the way. I mean, I've got I've got cupboards of vinyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got cupboards of them. I've got I've got old Elvis Presley stuff. I've got Beatles stuff, coloured vinyl stuff. I've got um, I've got some Jerry Lee Lewis. I've got Frank Sinatra. I've got such a wide mix because I used to do sampling and remix stuff. So it, it used to be to me that, you know, going around the charity shops, finding those old records and they, it was just a different recording. The way they recorded stuff back then was completely different to how it's recorded. Now um, it was raw. You had the crackles, you had everything. You, it was just uh, back then was a much better era for me for, for music. Yeah, I grew up. As I said, I was showing you that the vinyl of my new album, yeah, uh, available in all good record stores. If there is there one, it's available definitely Amazon, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, yeah, it's sold very, very well. There's a lot of people that play vinyl, or they collect it, even if they're not playing it. I understand, you know, they, 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 they it's it's really selling very, very well as a 12 inch. So you released the album in February. You've um you've released two singles so far, I think, off the album. Um. And then you probably had, as you said a little while ago, you got 56 concerts planned on the back of the album. COVID comes in and knocked the wind right out of your sails. Um, how are your, I take it your concerts are probably rebooked um, for for this year and maybe next year. I mean, how how bad was that for you for the promotion of the, the new album? Well, a complete disaster, yeah, but. More importantly, is these tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of of players. I can take it, of course, but the musicians—it's everything they earn—is being paid by people like me to play concerts. And there's them and all the actors and the crew, the people who work in theatres and the road crew, like sound engineers, roadies—you know—all earning nothing. To I don't know what they're doing. I know a couple of my team are out driving through Amazon, driving how many? Delivery vans for Amazon. It's quite enterprising. Yeah, yeah. What my plan, since you've asked, is um, I'm really, really proud of this album. I, I, I just, I'm so proud of it. And I won't let it go. 
you know, in, we've got the new, we, we lost 60, it was a 60-day tour and we played nine. So um, in May this year, we could restart, but I think my promoters are already looking at May and saying, let's move. You're not going to have crowds of 1,000, 2,000 people in, 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 for a rock show in May. It's so unlikely. So we're moving them. We've got a lot of festivals through June, July, August already in the diary. But frankly, I'm going to release my company who own it. My company will release Uncovered, the album, and I'm going to buy an ad in the national newspapers just call it a new album. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just going to shrug it all off and say this is a new product because you know we haven't promoted it yet. No, that's the thing, isn't it? You, you you gear up to promote, and then all of a sudden that's come on. You started doing a few TV experience to keep going up with it because a lot of the time they release stuff, and then you start pumping it out and doing it. And I think that's probably just the easiest way. You never know. Once you get the gigs, maybe you want to you want to have a word again with Millwall and see if you can do something there. I know that they've uh, they can do events there. Um, if you wanted a big crowd, I know they looked at boxing a while ago, and they can. It's an outdoor event, but I know they can hold about thirty thousand if you put you in the in the centre of the pitch on a stage. So I don't know if you um if you want a big wow. venue, you can go play at the den. Um, yeah, or knock well, up, knock up, or knock up on Cold Blow Lane, and ask if you can play in someone's back garden. Um, <laughs> find find where the centre spot was on one of those houses, and, and knock up there. That, uh, you've got a documentary there, haven't you? Just yeah. knocking on someone's door. Hello, can I play here? So, yeah, well, look, your record obviously is available everywhere. Amazon, probably HMV. It's probably available yeah. in, in most yeah. of the, the supermarkets seem now to be um, to selling vinyl now. As to Tesco, Sainsbury's, everyone seems to be redoing vinyl again now. Seems to be on good quality vinyl as well for a change, rather than very brittle stuff back in the the 50s and 60s. Well, 50s was okay. If you got the 78s and the 50s, they were the nice, thick um, vinyl that never really walked in the sun. And then, unfortunately, some of the later records did. So, um, so yeah, so people want to get hold of you. I suppose the best way for people to to check what you're doing would be to check your website, which is yeah. steveharley.com. Yeah, steveharley.com. Or Facebook is really, really active. Yeah. Facebook is really, really active more than the website these days. It's people are going that way, I think. You know, yeah, Facebook seems to be, um, again, for a certain for a certain era, a bit older than me. The Facebook seems to be the way forward. The younger, the younger lot seems to be going on on Twitter and and other social media. So, Neil, before we go, have you, have you got any um, any other Millwall question or any question you want to ask Steve before we go? I just wanted to give a Steve Harley fact, actually. But- which was the first time I'd actually heard come up and see me make me smile was actually the B side of the reflex by Duran Duran. And I was just thinking of that earlier on. It's true. Um, yeah. I, I, I sang it. I went on stage with them at Hammersmith Odeon when the, the reflex was out as a hit and they were on tour and uh, they invited me there and I went on stage and sang it with them. Yeah. That was a great. Would you still get a major buzz out of appearing in front of crowds and performing to crowds? Me, yeah, it's my life. It's what I do. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. It's people talk about this. Do you, do you get nervous before going on stage? Of course not. <laughs> I'm doing the Telegraph crossword in the wings. We're rehearsed and we do a lot of it. It's 
It's a great life. I'm missing it terribly. I don't know. You know, I'm used to living out in hotel rooms 60, 70 times, 80 times a year, 80 nights a year. I'm in hotels. And without my trolley case packed and a tour manager emailing me in 10 minutes and an itinerary, I barely know who I am. I don't know why. It's very, very lonely when you're used to that. I mean, when I meet people, and I have met, I was in a supermarket car park. The highlight of my week these days is to drive Mrs. Harley to, to, to Sudbury, eight miles away. Park up. In, it was great in the summer. The spring and summer were glorious, glorious Mediterranean weather. Yeah. I'd sit out there in my car as a Land Rover, and I'd sit out with the door open and read the paper, read the sports pages probably. And twice, twice men came past and went double take. Hi, Steve, you keep your distance, mate. You know, <laughs> They kept their distance and were talking to me. And they were both, each of them had just passed 65, 66 years of age, you know, younger than me. And I, when they'd gone and I got home and I would, I kept thinking, I'm thinking of it to this minute. Why do people want to retire? What do you do all day? What do you do all day? I'm climbing the walls. And I've got, I'm blessed with a good life, a nice big house, a couple of acres actually of woodland. It's brilliant out there, just brilliant. But you know, you, you can't keep walking around your own land all the time. It's winter. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, yeah. To not be on stage, it's man, you don't retire from this. You just I'm missing it more than I can tell you, to be honest. I mean, Make Me Smile has been covered by over 120 different it's had 120 different covers. Even obviously Neil mentioned Duran Duran, Erasia covered it, um and and lots more. And also it's been um it's been used for the Viagra advert too. So that's your pension sorted. Yeah, it's uh, it owes me nothing. Yeah, yeah. We actually do. I, I'm not a total mercenary. I, I want you to know. Um, I have the veto. You know, my publisher gets approached 20 times a year for me this one. But you have to be fussy. You can't give it to everyone for time's sake. Just cheapen everything. So the bar's quite high, and it is expensive for them for the advertisers to uh, to take from us for for. A, TV ad or a movie, but uh, I have veto the bottom line, and I say no sometimes. I've said no a couple of times, many times. We just go no, no, no. We can't afford it, or I don't like the subject. When there was a like a couple of years ago, Sweden wanted it for a, it was a toothpaste ad, TV ad. I said no, keep my keep my music away from that. I mean, how long did it take you to to write? Make me smile. Not long, because uh, I was so inspired by the original band breaking up, by three of them walking out on me for no good reason. They've never really explained it properly to this day. But I was so inspired and, it, and fed up with that, that the whole, you've done it all, you've broken every code, you know, you, you, you've betrayed us. It's, that's what it's saying. One day you'll come, I'll come back and yeah, I'll be smiling. Did you write the Did you write the words first, or did you write the lyrics, or did you do the 
um, did you have a tune in your head and work around that? How how do you how do you write your songs? Either either or. I mean, everywhere I am, everywhere in my coat or pad luggage would be a notepad and a pen. So I'm writing constantly. I mean, we go to the cinema or theatre, Dorothy and I, and in the dark, I'll have to get the get, get the mobile out and put the lamp on just to look down at my scrap of paper to write something down that I've heard in the dialogue. You think, oh, that's good. That, that'll make a nice line. That's a chorus. That's a, a, a title. I can, I'll link that. Everyone, everyone steals from everyone. Yeah, no, it's uh, Yeah, it's just the way it is. But I play a lot. So, again, on the, on the iPhone, which I, you record on to, to an app, good recording app. There's 70 or 80 tunes on there from the last, just the last couple of years from playing the piano late at night, playing the guitar. So you do both all the time. And one day you, you hear the tune, you play it back and say, hey, and that'll fit that line. And then you build what's called a song. You'll come up and sing me. It's one of those songs where it comes on the radio or if it comes on anything, it's one of those that automatically it makes you smile, doesn't it? It's one of those, yeah, but it's one of those feel-good songs, which is, which in these times is pretty good. Yeah, ka-ching. I think we'll end on this story, which I think I can't believe you've done it, um, to be fair. And I, and I think it's very cruel because you could have absolutely made this man's whole life, but, you were you were um, on holiday, I think. I mean, I saw it with um, when you were on this morning when they'd done the um, top of the pop thing on your forty five. I think it was earlier on last year, and um, and you had a taxi driver who played your song, sang every word, told you that he had it for his wedding, he'll have it for this, all of that, and he loved the song. Yet you didn't tell him who you were. No, it was in uh, Montenegro, uh, and we we'd been out to dinner. Dorothy and I were having a just a five or six days break there and um, exploring the Dalmatian coast. <laughs> Got in a cab after dinner to go back to the hotel. Yeah, and it came on his radio and he whacked up the, the volume whoosh, and started banging the steering wheel, singing along every word perfectly in English, perfect. And um, she said to me, oh, you'll have to tell him. And um, when I got out, it was fading. It was fading out as we pulled up, and I wound down the passenger window, and I looked in with my euros to pay. I said, uh, "Good record, that." <laughs> and he went into this routine. He just went, "Yeah, it's the best record ever made. It's the greatest record, best song." And it was at my sixteenth. It was at my twenty-first. It was at my wedding. It will be played at my funeral. It's the Mrs. Harley behind me, Dorothy, she's, she's very funny. And she said to me, go on, you've got to tell him. And I was looking right in his eyes and he didn't recognise me. And I gave him a tip. He walked off. She said, you didn't tell him. You could have made his day, his month, his year. And I said, yeah, but then again, he might have, he might have blanked me. You know, <laughs> I don't mean sometimes, anything. It, the, the sometimes is, it's best. 
Well, I don't know. I don't. I, don't know. I just thought it was a better story, but I walk it away. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, I, I thoroughly appreciate your time today, Steve. Um, and and you're more than welcome to come on any of our shows whenever you want. Um, if we we look at getting a player from your era, if we if we get any more players from your era, we we might give you a heads up and and let you spend time chatting with them instead of uh, instead of us. But you're always welcome on the show. Um, we'll put all the, the album links and everything else in the show notes. Um, well, special edition of Who Are You? And our guest is uh, Steve Harley, um, and obviously was part of the Cockney Rebel fame. But Steve Harley, new album out, uncovered, available in all record shops, Amazon, <laughs> Uh, everywhere you want. He would rather you pay for it rather than steal it. Um, so, yeah, probably best place to use. Probably best to use uh, Amazon for that one. And it could be could become of his uh, band members what deliver it to you. You never know. So, uh, yeah, Thank thanks very much for listening. If you've got any final words, Steve, before we switch off? No, no, except come on, you line, stop drawing. <laughs> no hold, worries. Hold on to that lead. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online at DiscountTire.com. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show, and you definitely got tickets. And drinks. Now hurry and make it back to your spot. Pass this person and that person about 20 more. Ooh, watch out for feet. Hey. Just keep going. A little further. Oh, there's your friend. Over here. Right where you want to be. Close enough to see the set list. And they're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.